what you do professionally is just a job. It's not who you are. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. This show is for the person who's becoming a utility, but they're running into the resistance that everyone faces. On this podcast, I'm fortunate to interview and discuss how successful entrepreneurs have starved the doubts, moved into self-confidence, and are making their dreams, their business, and their passion a reality. You can do it too. I am proud to bring to you my guest today, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Com. Let's kick off with the interview and do a wrap-up at the end. Jay Bear is the president of Convince and Convert. He is a highly sought-after, hype-free digital marketing consultant that has worked with over 700 companies, including 30 from the Fortune 500. He is the New York Times best-selling author of the book Utility, Jay is the host of the popular Social Pros podcast. He's also an outstanding presenter at various conferences all over. Jay, congrats on the success of your book, Utility. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jared. I appreciate you taking the time to have me. My pleasure. Now, one of the questions I like to ask everybody I talk to is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? The best concert I have ever been to is Radiohead at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, man. Do you have a favorite song by Radiohead? Uh, probably Knives Out, although I like, uh, I like a lot of Readyhead songs, but that's probably one of my favorites. That is a good one. What is your favorite app on your phone? Oh, that's a good question. My favorite app on my phone, although I don't use it the most, I would say TripIt, just because I travel so much. And it's especially when you're kind of out there talking about the book and you're, you know, in a different place all the time. I'm constantly sort of looking at the TripIt Pro app and saying, where am I supposed to be? What hotel am I at? That kind of thing. It's a really good app. And, and if you upgrade to the Pro version, which costs a few dollars, it's very much worth it because they send you all kinds of text messages and alerts. And it happens quite regularly where you'll get a push notification from the app that says, hey, your flight is delayed or canceled. And then a few minutes later, the actual gate attendant says, oh, your flight is delayed or canceled. So having those few minutes sort of jump on the rest of the uh, people sitting there can be very, very useful. I'm assuming that Run P would be a close second. Run P is right up there. One of my favorite apps and talked <laughs> about in my book, of course. But lately, I have not been doing too many movies because I've been on the road. And I bought myself a congratulations for making the New York Times list uh, present a month ago and got a big, enormous new television and home theater system. So I told my nice. family, like, look, we're not spending money to go to the movies for a while because we have to uh, amortize the expense of, uh, <laughs> of our in-house uh, movie setup. Jay, would you be willing just to share real quick on your view about appification. Yeah, it's, I really believe that websites have a fatal flaw, which is that they have to do a lot of things, right? Whatever your website is or whatever business you happen to be in, it's got to serve a lot of masters, right? You got to have product information, you got to have customer service information, you got to have corporate information, etc. Uh, and consequently, it does a lot of things sort of mediocre. And as everybody is stressed for time and everybody wants things done right now, I believe we'll be moving shortly into this sort of app-centric era, especially when everybody's on a mobile device anyway, 
where you'll take the best of what your company does and create a series of apps and each app will do one thing or maybe two things so that you have sort of behavioral and functional specificity as opposed to having to wade into the middle of a website and figure out what's there for you. Jay, let's segue into blank versus blank. I'm going to give you two options and you just pick which one and maybe give a real quick reason why. And the first is marketing sideways versus marketing head on. Well, marketing sideways is really what we talk about in the utility book, and it's this idea of finding a way to insert your company into the lives of your customers in ways that transcend the transactional, that don't rely on your products and services per se. And since we're on the topic of marketing, hunter versus farmer. Well, nowadays, because everything happens so fast, the significant majority of marketers and business people want to be a hunter, right? They want to get out there. They want to do it right now. They want to close business today. They want a coupon and special offer. And the reality is that what consumers want is farmers, right? They want to have information and utility and helpfulness. And then eventually uh, they will reward you with attention and sales and, and loyalty. So one of the things that's kind of confusing about modern marketing is that it happens very fast, but the results accrue slowly plant the garden. Yep. Let's do finish this sentence. The biggest thing to know about modern day marketing is that everything you learned in marketing school is no longer applicable. (laughs) Do you care to give any insight on that? Well, it's just, you know, we, all the things that we were taught, you know, product, place, price, audience segmentation, you know, a lot of those things are being eroded because everything is media now. Consumers have control that they didn't used to have. You know, you're, you're competing for attention, not just against other companies, but against everything. It's just a different world. It's changed fundamentally. And that's not how we were taught to do marketing. And now you got to kind of figure it out on your own. You know, you've kind of alluded to this next one, but I'll go ahead and ask. To continue to try to use yesterday's playbook with today's technology is? A recipe for long-term disappointment. When I think of hyper-researching. Well, it used to be true that customers didn't want to see the sausage being made. But it's not true anymore because everybody's got real-time internet access in their pants, right? So nowadays, people are looking up everything. They're hyper-researching every purchase. There's no barrier or friction to learning or research anymore because of tablets and smartphones and things like that. So companies have to provide significantly more information about themselves and their value proposition than they ever have before because customers aren't relying on, well, I'll just call the sales rep and have him tell me why they're worthwhile. or I'll just go on down to the store and ask them if they have this kind of paint. All that research is being handled online right under your nose. And the last finish of the sentence, to transcend the transactional means to to, to market sideways, to, to say, look, let's find a way to develop a relationship with prospective customers that's founded in usefulness and is, of course, related and relevant to our product and service, but isn't about our product and service. Jay, would you be willing to share the story of Taxi Mike? Sure. Um, In fact, I'm looking at a Taxi Mike dining guide right now here in my desk. Uh, And I'm going to Canada this fall for a conference, and hopefully we'll have a chance to meet Taxi Mike in person. So Taxi Mike is a cab driver in Banff, Alberta. Banff is a tourist town in the middle of Canada, lots of lakes and bald eagles and majesty and skiing and stuff. And 
Lots of taxi drivers there, but only one is a utility. There's also lots of bars and restaurants in that town, which is how Taxi Mike became a utility. Once a quarter, he produces the Taxi Mike dining guide for Banff. And this is not a high dollar production. He kind of lays this out on his laptop very basically, goes to FedEx, makes a bunch of copies on that super like neon yellow paper that we've all seen, probably most recently in high school. And he folds it up as a trifold and hands it out to all the bars and restaurants. And when you're in that town, you'll see this taxi mic guide all over the place on the front counters of different establishments and such because it is incredibly useful. He categorizes all the bars and restaurants for you. So if you look in the guide, it says best sports bar, you know, best happy hour, best place to get a glass of wine, etc. And then on the front of the little fold-up guide, he has a map of downtown, so you can kind of find your way around. He's essentially, Jared, a, a one-man trip advisor is basically what he is. And at the end of the night, if you've been hanging around in Banff and you've been to four or five bars and you're like, hey, i got to find a way to get back to my hotel, you're not going to ask the bartender to call you a taxi because in your pocket is a crumpled up, very yellow piece of paper that you've been looking at all night with a map of downtown and right on the cover, it says Taxi Mike 7601052. You call Taxi Mike and he'll pick you up. And he's also such a utility, he also does computer repair. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's multifaceted. And if it just so happens you need a computer yeah, repair. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, can you fix this in the next two blocks? It'd be amazing. <laughs> hey, we're talking about marketing. Jay, what does it mean to make the story bigger? It's related to that concept of transcending the transactional and marketing sideways. I'll give you an example from Columbia Sportswear. They, of course, make outdoor gear and jackets and hats and stuff. I'm pretty sure people are familiar with them. And they have a a mobile app called What Not to Do in the Greater Outdoors, K-N-O-T. And it shows you how to tie knots. It's like animated demos on how to tie knots right on your mobile phone. And... That's pretty cool. If you're camping or hanging off the side of a cliff, that's very useful information. If you're doing a podcast, less so. I mean, I'm not tying any knots right now, yet, but maybe, maybe later. <laughs> but what I like about that example is that Columbia Sportswear doesn't sell rope, right? They're not in the rope business. And so the obvious strategy, obvious execution, rather, for them would be, let's create a mobile app that helps you find the best jacket, right? And so you say okay, I'm skiing or I'm fishing or I'm hiking or whatever, and you plug in some attributes and they recommend a jacket to you. That's pretty useful, but it's not super interesting, and you would probably only use that once, and then you're going to delete it off your phone. But in this case, every time you're outdoors, or you, I was uh, out last night on a friend's boat, and I actually used the app because we had to tie the boat up to something, and I couldn't remember which was the best knot to use in that circumstance, so I actually used the knot app last night. So that makes me remember Columbia and their product line and that they're good guys and all those kind of things. And that requires real courage, right? It it requires courage and requires you to give yourself and your company permission to make the story bigger, to say, you know what, we're going to use staff time and staff resources to create useful marketing that's not about our products, but is still related and relevant to our customers and makes you think of our products in a slightly different way. I wonder, Jay, is there a way for Columbia to measure the utility there, that ROI on that app? You know, we talked to them about that. We do some work for those guys as well. We didn't build that app. I don't want to take credit for that, but but sure. we've done some stuff for those guys. And we talked about that, and it's really, really tough. You know, that's one of those where you almost have to stipulate to the fact that it helps you because it's really tough to measure, not just because you don't know who downloads mobile apps because you don't, right? You know how many were downloaded, but you don't know who. 
the bigger challenge for those guys is just the way they handle their channel, right? So yes, you can buy Columbia Sportswear gear on their website. Yes, they have a few company stores. But fundamentally, Columbia is sold in major retailers. And there are countless retailers. So tracking that is almost impossible in the way that we would typically track it in digital marketing. So the main way that you would be able to measure the effectiveness of an app like that would be to take a random sample survey of new customers and say, hey, do you know about this app? Hey, do you use this app? And then look at lifetime customer value of those that have and have not used it. That's the only way you could really do it. Jay, how does a business become more interesting than the customer's wife? Well, we're in this really weird and difficult situation for businesses now where they're competing against everything. Mm. Um, If you look at your Facebook feed or your Twitter account or even your email inbox for that matter, what you'll see is a combination of messages from people that you actually like and or love, and you'll see messages from businesses that you ostensibly support, otherwise you wouldn't get those messages. So literally, companies now have to compete side by side and pixel for pixel for attention, right? So if you look at Facebook, it, you know, message from your wife, a message from your friend, a message from a company. Friend, company, wife, company, friend, brother, mom, company, right? It's this weird bullia base. And the opposite's not true, right? My wife doesn't buy radio time to get my attention. My friends don't buy magazine ads to make sure I know what's going on. But yet companies have to use the exact same technologies and the exact same networks that we are using to communicate to our closest associates, They have to use those for business, and that's really, really hard. So the question isn't, are you better at marketing than your core competitors? It's, are you more interesting to me than my wife at a message-by-message level? It's a very, very difficult proposition, and the best way to succeed in that kind of hyper-competitive environment is, in my estimation, to just be useful, to create utility, to create marketing that is so useful People would pay for it if you asked them to. Jay, what are some ways that businesses can make utility a skill and not a job? Well, it's rarely done, unfortunately, at least at this point. Companies that are embracing utility or even just content marketing and not really sure why they're making content but are, often what happens today is that companies put somebody in charge of that. They say, okay, we need to make us some of that content marketing or (laughs) we have read this book and now we want to create utility. Now we have a sort of strategic plan for content. And they say, Jared, you're in charge. We need to make us some content and get that done by September or whatever. And the problem is that, you know, one person, unless it's a one person company, one person doesn't have all the answers, right? Every single person in your organization has knowledge that your customers can benefit from. The key is to unlock that knowledge and set it free. So what you want to do is is make um, utility, make sort of knowledge transfer between the company and the customers part of everybody's job. Make it a skill, not somebody's job. You shouldn't have, in my estimation, you, you, you might have somebody editing or managing this process, but one person should not be the content guy. Jay, what are some ways that the business could unlock that content from within? 
In the book, we talk about four or five different schemes for making that happen. You know, in some cases, in the extreme example, a company like OpenView Venture Partners, which is a venture capital firm in Boston, it's part of your job. Like when you apply for a job there, it's in the job description. You will write a blog post every week and you will do a podcast once a month and you will do an ebook once a quarter. I mean, it's that's just like coming to work on time. It's that level of that's just how we do it, right? Other organizations like IBM have trained thousands and thousands of employees on content creation and social media participation to sort of broaden that base of utility. Jay, I'm going to shift just a little bit. You attend a ton of conferences. What are some of your favorites? Well, it sort of depends on what you're looking for. I am a big fan of Content Marketing World, which is coming up here in September in Cleveland. I'm the keynote at that one. For people who have a interest in content and content marketing, it's a terrific, terrific event. I'll also be at uh, the Exact Target Connections Conference in Indianapolis in October. Uh, exact Target's a great business partner of ours, and they're a terrific company. And that conference is amazing. It's not just about email. It's about all kinds of digital marketing stuff. The relatively new event, Social Media Marketing World, which is produced by the Social Media Examiner guys, that will be happening in March 2014. That'll be edition two of that. That's a very well-executed conference. For some of the ones that are smaller, sort of one-day, two-day, more intimate, you know, two, three, 400 attendee kind of things where it's not quite as large, I'm a big fan of the Social Fresh conferences that Jason Keith puts together. I've had a had the ability to speak at many of those. They do a great, great job. The Social Brand Forum, which is coming up soon in Iowa, that Nick puts together, Nick Westergaard, is a really, really good event, especially for those in the Midwest, an easy trip to get to. Another one kind of along those same lines is Social Slam in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, typically in April. That's a really good event as well. We, we are blessed now with so many great conferences in the social digital content marketing realm that it's almost an embarrassment of riches. For those that either don't have budget or time to travel, I'm a huge advocate for the social media success summits, which are also put together by the social media examiner guys. In fact, the new social media success summit starts in October. I'm the lead keynote for that. That announcement will happen on Monday in terms of discount codes and all those kind of things. So it will sell out for sure. So if you want access to 30 or more webinars for a year from your desk, that is a really good way to go. Jay, you have great presentation skills. What advice do you offer to the listeners who want to become better presenters? Give lots of presentations. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, a lot of it is practice, and I've been doing this for years and years and years, and, and thank you for the kind words. The biggest, I'd say two things. One is recognizing that what you're really trying to do is tell stories, that it doesn't matter how smart you are or how good your slides are or how good your content is. People, especially in a live setting, respond to stories. So whether it's a story about you or not is immaterial, though I think stories about yourself can be very effective, but the stories are what matter. And the other thing that really made a difference to me maybe three years ago, and I think sort of took me to a new level as a presenter, my friend Scott Stratton is an unbelievable presenter. Every time I think I'm good, I watch him and realize that I'm not good yet. And he told me something about three years ago when I was just getting ready to start the tour from my previous book, The Now Revolution. He said, look, remember this. People want to be entertained first and informed second. 
right? They're mm. at a conference. Like you go to a conference every week. They don't. This is their one big annual conference or whatever the circumstances are, which is very true. He's like, what you're going to be remembered for is that they had a great time. And I changed my mix of kind of humor and tried to not throw too much content at people after that. And it, and it made a big difference. You've enjoyed some incredible success with your consulting. We mentioned speaking, of course, and now your book. What advice do you have for people who want to starve the doubts and follow a similar path that you have? Number one, you just have to keep at it, right? I mean, I, I remember what Chris Brogan said a few, probably two or three years ago. He had this amazing series of blog posts that said it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. Hmm. And, and that is so true. You know, I wrote a blog post every day for months and months and months and months and months before anybody read it other than my mom. You know, and I've been in digital marketing and been consulting and been writing magazine articles and giving speeches for 19 years. So it bothers me. And I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about this, too. It bothers me when people come up to me at conferences and say, hey, I started this blog three months ago. And, you know, how come I don't have a book deal yet? And it's like, you know, <laughs> it's not quite that easy. Um, and I think the other piece of it is I think one of the key elements of starving the doubt is being really, really good at time management mm. and compartmentalizing your time, right? You have to, A, continue to create good content and stay up on it and keep your nose to the grindstone and all of those kind of bits of found wisdom. But you also have to not let it destroy you, right? You have to realize that whether anybody reads your blog or not, or whether you get a book deal or not, or whether you get hired to speak at conferences or not, don't let that define you. One of my very first mentors told me something a long time ago that I try and remember every single day, which is what you do professionally is just a job. It's not who you are. And I think one of the challenges that we have in this industry and in the sort of consulting professional services speaker business is that too often people take that success or lack thereof and apply it to their person, right? To say, well, I am this or I am that based on the number of Twitter followers you have or what have you. And you know what? Your mom still loves you. doesn't matter. Hmm. <laughs> Jay, who's doing something that interests you? So many people are doing things that interest me. That's what's so fascinating about this business. I really like what C.C. Chapman is doing and lots of very interesting content projects and video work and you know producing a lot of books across a, a multitude of topics. I think that's really fascinating. Tom Martin has a really great book coming out that kind of talks about social media's impact on sales and business development, which I think is going to help a lot of people. John Jantz, who, of course, is the duct tape marketing guy, has a book coming out called Duct Tape Selling, which is going to really shake some people up. It's going to be fantastic. It's just a really exciting time. There's a lot of people who wrote books or did kind of stuff or whatever a few years ago, and now they're kind of on to the next chapter. And that's an interesting kind of creative mix, and it's happening right now. Jay, do you have any final thoughts regarding your book, Utility? I hope that people will buy the book, and I will guarantee you that you will enjoy the book. If you don't enjoy the book, let me know. I will give you your money back. The book is available in all the ways and all the places that books are available. Uh, your local independent bookseller, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBook, Kindle, you know, audiobook, read by me, all that stuff. On the website for the book, which is utilitybook.com, we've got a big free excerpt there. So if people are like, well, I'm interested in this concept, but I'm not sure if I want to drop 20 bucks on it. 
grab the excerpt and decide for yourself. And Jay, what's the best place for people to follow what you're up to online? Best place to go is convinceandconvert.com. That's where we have the daily blog, the daily email, the weekly podcast, all kinds of ebooks, the consulting company. That's sort of the um, the catch-all, convinceandconvert.com. Jay, congratulations on the New York Times bestseller list and all the exciting things that you have going on. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, thanks so much. My pleasure. Did you enjoy the interview with Jay Bear? Please consider sending Jay a thank you tweet for being on the show. Jay's Twitter is at Jay Bear. That's J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. Set a rate to the ting. Rating and review. Subscribe in iTunes. You know what to do to the bang bang boogie. If you entertain, you'll prove it by leaving a review and rating. Okay, I know what you're thinking. I'm no Sugar Hill Gang, and this is no rapper's delight, but I would be delighted if you would consider going to iTunes to leave a rating and review, which of course greatly increases the visibility of the podcast. Please consider doing a search for Starve the Doubts in iTunes. Remember to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review. Thank you for the consideration. You are a utility. Albert Hathazi is a utility. He is starving the doubts with his site, buildyouronlinebiz.com. Albert just interviewed Pat Flynn on his podcast. You can check that out by going to buildyouronlinebiz.com. Click on podcast episodes. The Pat Flynn interview is episode eight. How would you evaluate this podcast? Please open up your email and type the numeric value of one, two, or three in the email subject line. One being not very good, two indifference, and three awesome. And send a blank email to jaredeasley at gmail.com. The 10th email will receive a quality joke emailed or tweeted to you personally from Peter Billingham. Seriously, in the meantime, always treat others the way that they want to be treated. Always do your best and remember to starve the doubts. I think one of the key elements of starving the doubt is being really, really good at time management mm. and compartmentalizing your time, right? You have to, A, continue to create good content and stay up on it and keep your nose to the grindstone and all of those kind of bits of found wisdom. But you also have to not let it destroy you, right? You have to realize that whether anybody reads your blog or not, or whether you get a book deal or not, or whether you get hired to speak at conferences or not, 